0: The Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. Good day. You're listening to America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I am Carrie Weber, Executive Editor for America Magazine.
1: And I'm Tim Brady, sitting in for Father Matt Malone. Each week we offer news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the world gathered by our team at America Magazine.
0: And one of those team members is with us today, Zach Davis, associate editor. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Carrie. As we have noted in prior episodes, you may uh, recognize Zach's voice from Jesuitical, our podcast for young, hip, lay Catholics.
2: Yeah, honestly, if you're not listening to Jesuitical, I don't know what you're doing. Point. So... Yeah. Check that well, out. Well,
0: with an attitude like that, let's everyone tuning in, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm not, and the the humble Zach Davis that's right. is with <laughs> us today. You can, you can finish
2: listening to the show, but then immediately after that, go download Jesuitical in your favorite podcast app.
0: I think that makes sense. Yeah. Uh and now we're gonna move on to our guest for today's show, who is Nathan Schneider. He is a contributing writer to our magazine and he's a professor of media studies at the University of Colorado, Boulder, and the author of several books. Uh, And his article for us most recently is called How Can Activists Win More Than a Viral Moment? It's a crucial question, and here to answer it is Nathan Schneider. Welcome to the show.
3: Hi. Glad to be on again.
0: Thank you for being here. Uh, You start off the piece writing a bit about a weekend that you spent uh, in the Pennsylvania Hills as a group of 50 activists from around the country kind of working on different issues and discussing um how what you had in common how to organize i wonder if you can tell us a bit about um what were the origins of that particular event and why you were there
3: it it was the weirdest thing it <laughs> was it was uh, uh, kind of a one shot uh uh moment it was it was i think it was in 2012 when you know in the wake of the 2011 uprisings around the world and um some people wanted to bring uh uh others together who were involved in a bunch of different um, efforts for you know change and justice and around the country and uh, and it happened to be in this bizarre hotel in the middle of Pennsylvania along the highway just because I guess the guy who owned the hotel was a uh, kind of supporter of the event um, uh, and and the, uh, the, the the thing that one of the things that struck me about that was hearing from, I knew a bunch of these people uh, from years past. I had I, known their names. A lot of them were, were, were much older than me. Um, and uh as they told their stories of, uh, uh, you know, what got them into the work that they do, uh, something struck me, which was that uh, a lot of them had a story of success at the beginning, you know, and that had rooted everything else that they had done, that they had achieved something, that they had uh, uh, done something, you know, maybe not so big, maybe something small, but something that had real reper- repercussions in the world. Um, and, and that, uh, gave them the strength to, um, go on and, and do their work. And that made me actually very tr- troubled for my generation, you know, uh, that was kind of coming up at that time because so much of what we had been involved in, so much of what people around me had been involved in is, it was creating viral spectacles, right? Not mm-hmm. so much like achieving tangible change. And, and, you know, that, that worried me.
0: Yeah, I think it's really easy to conflate the t- to conflate the attention that some act receives with the efficacy of it.
3: Yeah, and 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 it points to um, some of the the shifts that have been going on in how we do politics uh, uh, in recent decades. Right? I mean, uh, the a kind of classic comparison uh, between the. What it took for the, uh, and this is this is articulated, for instance, um, very well by the media scholar uh, Zeynep Tufekci, uh, that the difference between the uh, what it took to create the March on Washington in 1963 for the civil rights movement and what it took to have the women's march. Uh, after the election of Donald Trump, right? The difference between those. Both were massive convergences in Washington, D.C., but one took years of organizing and uh, uh, network building and fundraising and so forth. The other took a successful Facebook page. Um, uh, uh, They looked the same, but there's something very different about what they signify and what they represent.
1: What's interesting you mentioned marches because you you talk here about some of the, the activists you've worked with saying that perhaps marches maybe not the way to go that this is something that people focus on this is uh, you know a, a way to maybe garner media attention but um perhaps some people are rethinking that
3: yeah well uh, you know th- th- that comes in particular from this from a mentor of mine um george lakey who's just published a wonderful book um called how we win uh, uh that looks at this uh it's kind of a handbook for for activists of all stripes and um And one rule that he and others he's worked with sometimes make for themselves is no marches and rallies, you know, just (laughs) get out of the ritual, because it forces you to say, okay, what would actually be powerful for us to do right now? What would be uh, something that would make a meaningful difference in someone's life, um, rather than just kind of defaulting to the most obvious spectacle?
1: So is there an example there that he points to something that, you know, is not as showy, perhaps affects more change?
3: Well, it, it, one story tells is is a case of uh, um, of a um, a campaign that they were conducting in Philadelphia against a um, uh, against uh, casinos. That was, people wanted to bring casinos to to Philadelphia, and they were part of a campaign to stop that. And um, rather than just holding more marches and so forth, they um, uh, they actually did a kind of nonviolent search and seizure where they um, where they managed to obtain certain documents that revealed something about the other side that uh, uh, that really helped turn the tide of the of the campaign uh, uh something you know not so uh different from the you know, uh, they didn't do a burning, but the draft card burning uh, of the, uh, you know, people like uh, um, uh, Father Dan Berrigan, yep. Father Phil Berrigan, right? You know, go, t- going to the kind of heart of the matter, uh, creating a an action that, um, that reveals something deeper about uh, the campaign at work, rather than simply uh, uh, that just kind of is a show of spectacle.
2: Now, is... Nathan is there's something with that marches are kind of safe to pull off now nowadays. I don't know. I you you bring to mind Father Berrigan and you know him and the group that you know burned the draft cards in Vietnam. They they went to jail for that, right? I mean, are activists w- is willing to do the things that are going to get them in trouble now?
3: Well, activists are certainly uh, taking risks. I mean, the the kinds of things that people were doing, and you know, especially when I think of like the Standing Rock occupation, you know, uh, trying to uh, change our, our our country's direction around fossil fuel extraction and, and indigenous rights. Uh, you know, that was a case where you know some of the most vulnerable people in our society took risks, uh, tremendous risks, in order uh, uh, to um, uh, to to stand their ground, but. But it's true, you know, the, the the digital universe kind of insulates us often from those kinds of risks, and and uh, it's so much easier to just, you know, join a Facebook group than to um, uh, than to step into action.
0: You talk about the difference uh, differences between organizing the March on Washington and the Women's March. Is do you see uh, a difference in their legacies as well?
3: Well, <laughs> we don't know really. What the legacy of the of the women's march is right now, but it it, it does. I mean, it, it was so much um, a moment rather than a you know that, than a movement. I think mm-hmm. there's and we're still kind of st- understanding where this is going. But it was a um, uh, it, it wasn't. It was built. You know, you had to build an organization around the action in the case of the women's march, rather than building an action around organizations and structures and, and, um, uh, and, and momentum, uh, which was happening in the context of, of 63. And that, and, and that meant that, you know, in the context of 63 is part of a broader strategy um, uh, that was leading to a particular place. Now, the, the Women's March at the same time, you know, I think did make, did help contribute to significant gains around, you know, for instance, women's representation in Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so it may be that this is just a kind of, uh, you know, that there are paths to, you know, to similar effectiveness. They're just, they just might be different paths, uh, different mechanisms that we're, you know, still learning to understand.
2: Do you have any like concrete like examples of viral moments, especially in the digital sphere that we've seen recently that uh, you know we thought maybe was going to be a big deal and then sort of puttered out um, as time went by?
3: Well, one one kind of famous example, right, is the Coney 2012 uh, case. Do you do you remember that this, this I, I hugely do. viral video? But
2: maybe maybe remind our listeners <laughs> about Coney 2012.
3: Um you know it it was this kind of it was, I mean it really relates to a kind of missionary um uh tradition actually you know somebody who was you know an american christian uh goes to africa sees this um you know the the use of child soldiers and 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 this kind of uh horrific uh 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 um killing going on and tries, believes that his mission is to draw attention to it. And by that attention, the, uh, the, the, the problem will be solved. And, and you know, it ended up becoming a, this enormous sensation for about a week and then kind of exploded in this classic fashion because, you know, there wasn't a strategy there. There wasn't a next step. There wasn't, uh, there was kind of a superficial understanding of the problem and um you know th- this is kind of a, a classic case but i think we see this repeating over and over and over where we're drawn to these kind of attention chambers um we're not uh, uh so much drawn to uh, uh to to building bonds of solidarity that last beyond the uh, the, the, the momentary attention.
1: Now, Nathan, uh, maybe you can speak about, you know, at the beginning of the show, you were at, of the interview, you were talking about how important the early kind of formational moments are for activists. Maybe you can speak about what that moment was for you, perhaps. Uh, I know you're involved in Occupy Wall Street. Was it that? Was it something else?
3: Um, you know, to, to me, um, the, the, um, it, it Kind of began before that uh to, you know when I think of a founding moment it was um it was really you know the wake of nine eleven uh you know and it was it was the 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 wars that began after that um uh you know i was i was uh seventeen at the time and uh you know senior in high school kind of just figuring out who I was and what i was about and and living in washington d c you know where where we had kind of felt the, the attack firsthand. Um, and, uh, and, and the beginning of the war in Afghanistan was kind of a start. And then, the, uh, uh, you know, about a year later, the beginning of the Iraq war, and there was just a kind of deep sense of frustration and helplessness that I, that I felt, uh, in that process, uh, that sense of deep wrongness and, and also a sense of a society, um, Unable to, um, unable to really come to terms with it, and so, it, you know, I I think of my formation as really beginning from that kind of frustration, and and that I feel like I've spent much of my life since then trying to find more ways for people to, um, to to be heard, to feel less helpless in their political lives.
2: Was there a mentor or someone that brought you into a particular activist community?
3: Uh, th- there were a number of them i mentioned um i mentioned george lakey before uh uh who was a columnist when i was an editor of waging nonviolence um and and certainly also dan Berrigan and his community of of jesuits uh when i moved to new york in um uh, in 2008 uh, a friend who had, who was a monk um, uh, a cistercian monk introduced me to somebody who brought me to Dan Berrigan's house within the first weeks of my being there and and introduced me to not only to this community of, of jesuits and and friends and uh, but also to other uh, other younger um, uh, uh, kind of Uh, uh, emerging activists with whom I started a a website called Waging Nonviolence, which which covers news uh, of uh, resistance movements around the world.
2: You mentioned in the piece there's sort of a difference between the communities that, you know, um, activists that you've admired or who have mentored you and, you know, community that you've experienced in activist communities and sort of the culture that exists now where there's a lot of rather than, you know, inclusion and teaching and mentoring that goes on, there's a lot more sort of self-policing and calling out of people who sort of don't, don't, uh, or break rank?
3: Well, yeah, I think, I think there's, you know, that's certainly been a, a, a feature. I, I think that's starting to change. I think there's an interesting shift happening right now where, um, as opposed to, um, uh, uh some years ago, like in the phase of the, 2011 movements around the world. There was a very anti-institutional turn, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, certainly on the on the left. Uh, you know, the worst possible thing you could do was have anything to do with the Democratic Party. Um, <laughs> today, it's a moment where I think people are uh, a lot of those same people, as well as a new generation, are are you know coming back to terms with institutions. I think that's a really interesting moment. You know, are people going to learn to live? Uh, within, uh, institutional structures and gain the you know the the powers and opportunities for solidarity that they offer, uh, and, and that's also relevant to uh, to something like the Catholic Church. You know, I, when I think of my relationship to political formations, you know, I, I, it sometimes feels like my relationship with the Catholic Church. You know, it requires <laughs> recognizing that this is a, a flawed entity, um, uh, something that's made of human beings, um, and I'm going to tolerate that because there is a there's a there's a bigger purpose. Uh, 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 for for my participation in this and 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 a, a greater meaning, something I can be within this that I just can't be on my own.
1: What's well, interesting, as you were talking earlier about your own formation, uh, I was thinking about like generationally how this is playing out. Um, Zach and 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 Carrie are both millennials, and I think Nathan, you are kind of a older millennial. Uh, yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> right on the edge. <laughs> I remember once being in grad school, and I, I was uh, taught how I, I had to go to a session about how to teach these bizarre millennials, and I was the only <laughs> one in the room who was actually, you know, made the cutoff. You know, it was a little anxiety-producing.
1: And I'm Gen X, which I think there was probably a little fatigue when I was growing up with the generation before us who was so activist. It was also a time of relative prosperity and peace in the in the '80s, but then you point out, you know, beginning in the 2000s, it's a time of war that it's still going on. So that is having effect on, on your generation.
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead,
3: Nathan. You know, there was an article in the magazine recently about, about, um, you know, uh, public um, repentance uh, that, that was just so fantastic. um, And, and I appreciate it so much. It, it, um, that to me captured something that I I think I was craving at that moment early on in the, in the, in the, you know, early 2000s, you know, in the midst of that when the wrongness of the Iraq war just became so incredibly apparent and, and the society seemed unable to cope with it. That again felt to me like one of those moments where, you know, there's something related between the church and the, and the, um, and the society that, you know, that we had as, as a church had something to offer in terms of what, um uh what it looks like to be able to say you know i'm not perfect in public life uh, uh that we have done we have sin on our hands
1: yeah that's a uh, eve tushnets piece um for those who want to look that up online
2: Nathan i'm wondering if you have like a a model movement right now in your mind of some a, a group that is uh putting in the hard work the discipleship of building community and building movements um is there a model movement right now that you're looking to for how to how activists can look to?
3: Um, well, you know, I, I don't know about a, a model, but I, I can sp- speak a little bit about what I'm involved in um, lately, which is around kind of uh, uh, building a new generation in the cooperative business movement. You know, this is building on something that, um, you know, that that is a legacy and, you know, in Catholic communities, um, but but also far beyond that. And it's 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 um, uh, it's trying to do all these things at once, you know, on the one hand, uh, uh, trying to work within institutions, but also uh, kind of pushing back and challenging them. Um, it's it's uh, an effort to, um, on the one hand, Um, uh, leverage this moment of of change and polarization and dynamism in our politics, while at the same time trying to cut across some of those divides that seem to uh, sort us into into um, uh, 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 irreconcilable batches, Um, you know, it, it Building a movement always requires living within contradiction because you're, you're trying to reshape the categories of, of social life. And uh, uh, learning tolerance for that contradiction, I think, is, is kind of essential. And, and, and being able to keep your eye, too, as you do, um, on the real, on the people around you, on, on things that you can do in everyday life that will actually make people's lives uh, better, help them make their lives better.
0: Nathan how does your own activism uh contribute to your prayer life and vice versa do, do you find that your prayer life uh helps to motivate your activism as well
3: well i am um, i'm a real uh devotee of the uh, uh, of the angelus prayer uh that that to me you know the three Hail Marys, the you know, short little introduction, you know, it, it's a, it's a short prayer, a prayer for, you know, I think for working people, for people who are in the middle of the world, um, who, who don't, um, uh, have, have much, um, uh, time, but who want to give their time over, over to the Lord and to have their time guided. Uh, that prayer is something that comes up for me multiple times a day, uh, uh, whenever I can, uh, whenever I can, uh, make time for it. And it, and it, it, uh, 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 you know, in a moment of life where, you know, I've got kids and am and, um, and, and just very focused on the uh, uh, things that are not especially contemplative, uh, uh, <laughs> that prayer is, is, um, is an incredible source of, of uh, uh, grace for me.
1: And a, and a related question, is this a way to kind of, is prayer one way to avoid burnout? Because that is a kind of a, a hazard of the kind of being an activist is just kind of, how do you persist? How does this become a, a, the work of a lifetime?
3: That's community uh, and prayer is part of community uh, but but the to me the the question of burnout right is about being part of a group of people who are who are in it for good you know and who and who help each other uh, uh, do that you know that was something that the you know that the, the the community of Jesuits around uh, uh, Dan Berrigan was all about you know they had a group called Kairos uh, that you know, one of those Greek words for time uh, uh, that existed really above all to help people see the, the bigger picture help people live for um, uh, live and work toward uh, uh, you know a lifetime of commitment I've seen so much burnout in my uh, in my time covering and participating in you know in, in work for social change and um, and and the people who uh, who are able to avoid that are the people who are in relationship and who are intentional uh, you know about committing themselves in a sustainable way in a way that has a sabbath built in right um and, and it's a that sabbath uh, might be might be the, the 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 truest answer to
1: that question and also how do you do that with with a family like creating a community but also having as you do young kids because i imagine that's a that's a challenge as well yeah i was
2: wondering do you have to quit your day job <laughs> to be an activist <laughs>
3: Well fortunately at, at the moment I'm uh, I I'm the beneficiary of a very a very generous family leave policy at my university so actually I'm currently doing full-time child care uh so I have in a sense quit my day job um for the moment uh just getting away for for a little bit to 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 take this call but uh that's been a a, a real blessing and uh, and also a real challenge uh, you know and I've been realizing how much of of my life especially um as a, as a man I has been oriented toward valuing myself for my, you know, my, what I can do in a workplace in a, in, in public. Uh, and I haven't really learned how to value myself for what I can do uh, uh, in, in at home in taking care of a child. And, and, you know, I, I think I have a lot to learn about that and it's been a, uh, you know, it's been a beautiful and challenging process to do that.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking your time out of the day Um, from all of that you are doing to speak with us. We really, truly appreciate it.
3: Well, thank you. Thanks for keeping me in the loop. I, uh, I am so grateful for all that you all are doing.
0: And we're grateful for your work as well. Nathan Schneider is a contributing writer to America, and you can find his work at americamagazine.org. You can also buy his book, Everything for Everyone, The Radical Tradition That Is Shaping the Next Economy. You can find more of our work at americamagazine.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, etc. And you can subscribe to the magazine by calling 1-800-627-9533. For Zach Davis, Tim Reedy, and myself, have a great day.
3: Listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.